Welcome to Vows to Keep Radio with David and Tracy Sellers. The mission of Vows to Keep is to help couples develop a biblically healthy marriage through the application of God's Word and a deeper relationship with Him. They desire to help you and your spouse grow closer to each other and closer to the heart of God's design for your marriage. Now, here's David and Tracy with today's broadcast. Today on Vows to Keep Radio, we're pleased to introduce our friends Justin and Yvonne. Hey guys. Hello. Thanks so much for being in the studio with us today. So tell us, how long have you been married? Almost seven years. That's awesome. We're blessed to have you here to talk about how God has worked in your marriage. And to do that justice, we have to take the listeners back to when you first got married. Your marriage started with a twist. Tell us about that. So Justin and I actually have a part one and part two. So we actually dated for two years um, when I was 19, 20 years old. And then we broke up and I moved to Ohio. Then about two years after living in Ohio, my grandma passed away and I came back for her funeral. I sent a random text message to Justin just reaching out. He knew my grandma and I just said, hey, you want to get together? He had to think about it. Um, And when we reconnected the second time, I actually had a child. So that led us into being a step family when we got married. In today's day and age, having a blended family is not uncommon, but it can carry a stigma. So you might be in church and you're talking with some new couple that you've never met before. And two or three minutes into that conversation, you bounce off that stigma. And the person who's talking to you probably has no idea that it's even happening. They could have some simple or innocent question like, Well, what led you guys to to move to Ohio? Why aren't you still in Minnesota? Or you mean your kids aren't in the same school district? So what's your response to something like that? David, these are are common questions we run into. Oftentimes it's uncomfortable for us because it immediately lets the people we're talking to know that we are part of a step family. Although this shouldn't be uncomfortable, it is because we don't fit the mold of what a regular or a normal family looks like. This concept of an ideal family really is a trap. It's one that Satan uses to convince so many of us that we're not worthy. God is so generous in giving us the Bible because it's not a story just about perfect people living perfect lives. Can you explain what you feel the world tells you about what that ideal family is and then what you've learned from the Bible about how families really look? In church, we can feel like everyone has it all together they've done things the right way. But when we open our Bibles, it's filled with heartbreak and step families just the same as it is today. For example, the life of Abraham, Sarah and Hagar in Genesis 12:25. The life of David, Hannah and Penana in 1 Samuel. And of course, the example of the life of Joseph, the stepfather to Jesus. These are a few examples, but as Christians, we're all part of a blended family with one father. We all have redemptive stories once we become children of God. 1 John 3, 1, 2. See what kind of love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. We can't deny that God has a perfect plan for marriage. He has a perfect plan for us as people. The truth is, however, that we see over and over in the Bible that people sin. That's what we do. We're sinners. In that sin, whatever it could look like, we begin to realize and we begin to really understand our need for God's redemption. In that we see that our Heavenly Father 
is someone capable of unconditional love. And it's only by knowing the depth of our need for him, really seeing the gravity of our sin, that we understand how we're called to behave as his followers with that same kind of unconditional love. Now, I'm ashamed as someone who's not necessarily walked the same path that you guys have to say that sometimes I'm totally not sensitive when I'm first talking to a couple to think about what I'm asking or why I'm asking it. So that stigma is furthered sometimes in innocent questions, which can be such a discouragement to a step family to get connected to the body of Christ when you're first coming into meeting people. So here you are seven years into marriage and your first son was there at the wedding. How many kids do you have now? Two. And how old are they? Gavin is 10 and Jake is six. And they're awesome little (laughs) boys. I love them. Sometimes as parents though, and I know this for myself because we have three kids that we want to control their little environments. We want to make their world the best that it can be, but sometimes that control can run a little bit deeper and we become these helicopter parents that don't really trust in God's sovereignty because we want to be the one calling the shots. But in a step family, you have to let go of some of that control and trust God when your child is not with you. Can you share how you've learned to trust God through this? Yes, that's true. My desire would be to have my oldest child with us all the time and do things my way. When I'm not in control, I have to choose to trust God, though. He's with his father half the time, and that can be hard to trust, especially if there's different ways of parenting in different situations. An example of this would be when my oldest son goes with his father. He's placed in the front seat of the vehicle, and he has since he was very little. And so as a mother, I feel like the safest place for my child is in the back seat, but I can't control that. He's in his father's care now. And so I've had to lean on God in this to trust God and pray to God for my child's safety and also that I don't lose my mind. (laughs) You know, I'm trusting God. Here's my baby. Here's my child. And so Proverbs 3, 5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's been something that, you know, that scripture pops in my mind. Like, here, God, here's my child. Keep him safe. Well, I can't be there to protect him. Yeah, the scripture that pops into my mind is Philippians 4 there's that anxiety that rises up. But God says, when you are not anxious because you're trusting me, then you're going to experience a peace that you wouldn't have had otherwise. Exactly. Yep. You can let that anxiety go and drive you nuts. But when you place it into God's hands and trust him, then you get that peace. Definitely. It's really the simple things like that, that help us to learn to trust God with our kids, because we really can't be there all the time. And it causes us to submit our hearts in prayer, almost constantly sometimes as parents. So many of us moms reach for things that we can control ourselves. And I can tell you, as someone whose parents were tightly in control, well past a God-honoring state, that fear can drive parents at times to make a statement about how much they trust God. This is something David and I talk about a lot, and we try hard to not repeat that same cycle. Justin, you've no doubt seen God mature both of your views on his sovereignty in your life, especially as a step family through things like the example that Yvonne just gave. Oh, indeed. Uh, it's, it's shaped my trust in God through situations like that. Like she alluded to, it's out of our control. We're all children of God. So ultimately, Gavin is God's child. So we have to have that trust that God will take care of him and, and it's out of our hands. How has your marriage been different because you're a step family? 
having another parent involved brings different expectations from the child. Gavin was younger. When he stayed with his dad, he would sleep in his dad's bed. When he would come to our house, those same expectations were there. And so it was a challenge for Yvonne and I to deal with that on a nightly basis. And we went through it for a couple of years. And eventually, Gavin realized that there was a different set of expectations at our house and that everybody slept in their own bed at our house. Although this was a challenging time and there was nights that uh, you want to pull your hair out with the situation, through this, it, it helped Yvonne and I work as a team. We really had to go at it together to stay consistent with each other and maintain a set of guidelines and, and rules and expectations in our home. And it hasn't been an issue for a long time, and I think it's, it's taught us to be stronger as a couple. I also feel like our marriage has been different because I had a child before marriage. Justin and I didn't have a honeymoon phase. We were an instant family. We also had another child soon after getting married and moved over 800 miles away from home. The effects this had on our marriage led to resentment and feeling like I had married the wrong person. We actually hear that a lot from even families who are not step families. People believing the lie that there might be someone better for them out there because this particular marriage isn't going like I thought it would. Can you further explain how those feelings began in your own life? Shortly after getting married and moving to Ohio, Justin and I got into the largest argument we've ever had. We both had started new jobs, we were living in an apartment, we were renting out our home back in Minnesota. We didn't have a church to call home yet or know anyone in Marysville. So all these stresses added to this large argument. It all seemed like we moved to Ohio and all of this was happening because of my past. From Justin's perspective, this was resentment towards my son's father. Yeah, a lot of transitions all stacked up on top of each other can create a lot of stress in life, no doubt about it. In order to understand your feelings, Justin, about resentment, can you share what life was like for you before you were married? My life before marriage was one of selfish ambition without Christ. Living this way, I did what I wanted, when I wanted. I had selfish expectations going into marriage, wanting life to go according to my plan. I had resentment towards the oldest son's father. I felt he should be the one moving to Minnesota. Yvonne and I had all our family there. I knew I wanted to change before Yvonne came into my life, but I had no idea the sacrifices I would need to make. I was blind to God's plan for myself and our family. So Yvonne, what did your life look like before marriage? I became a single parent when my son was a year old. My son's father and I broke up. Soon after becoming a single parent, I was invited to church and was saved. I ended up moving back to Minnesota when my son was two. Justin and I began a relationship that quickly moved from engaged to married and then having our youngest son together. Since I was a single mother before marriage and now having a newborn, my priority was my children. I was still young in my faith. I felt as though Justin had resentment towards my oldest son. This is when feelings started to form that I married the wrong guy. And where you guys found yourself at that time is not an uncommon position. I mean, truly, it's not abnormal to, to start marriage and find a husband who's, who's selfish, who's used to having their own way, and to find a woman who realizes, I now have children in my life, and they depend completely on me. They have no other way. And now... The children become the priority in the marriage for that wife. So I can see where this kind of fight can stem from. How did it resolve for you? It took time. Um, we found a church to call home at Marysville Grace. We became quickly involved in everything they had to offer because we were so thirsty for community, for God, for something to change. 
We were placed in your guys' life group, which we don't think was by accident. This led us to going to a marriage event through Vows to Keep, and then that led to serving in your guys' marriage events. I signed up through our church to have a mentor. That relationship then led Justin and I to doing a couple's discipleship study together with my mentor and her husband. All of this took commitment to each other to just keep going and not, you know, throwing in the towel and saying, I married the wrong person or your resentment, you know, I just can't take that. It took commitment and trust in God to bring us through this. As our faith grew, our marriage grew. We've learned that marriage is the foundation to our family and needs to be the priority, not yourself or your children. We actually met another couple through our church that doesn't have any family in Ohio, and that has let us continue to date each other. Um, so we actually trade off date nights every other month, and um, that way we don't have to worry about a babysitter. We know they're in safe hands. And then we also get to invest in their family as well and get to know them going on the whole dating thing. Justin and I continue to text each other little things to continue to date and have that friendship so we don't set our marriage on the back burner or just become roommates. I have not felt that I married the wrong person in many years. I now tell Justin that I won the husband jackpot. And it's true, I can say he's a pretty good dude. The tip you just gave is uh, is gold. Being able to find another couple who, who actually has a similar need to you because not only did you help your marriage, you've, you've now played a role in their marriage. And that's a, that's a cool thing we see in the body of Christ. When we're able to get plugged in, we now can serve each other. And both of our marriages are stronger because of it. It's no accident that we're here. God has placed people and uh, church and jobs and et cetera, et cetera, in our life. It's becoming clearer and clearer to me the longer I live here that this is where God wants us. I couldn't see God's plan when we first moved here to Ohio, I think because I held that resentment towards Gavin's dad. As I look back, God has provided more than I could have asked for. I feel crystal clear that this is where God wants us, and I'm working on my resentment towards uh, Gavin's father and to trust in God's plan for us. That is truly a picture of redemption. To the person who's listening today who has silently had that thought, what if I married the wrong person? This is This is not for me. I want to share, and I don't think you'd mind me saying this, Yvonne, that had you given up in that season, your husband's life would not look as godly as it does today. So often we don't realize that God actually has us in that person's life for their benefit. Without that big picture view, we can easily dismiss that God actually has us right where he needs us, a tool in his hands. Now, I know from spending about five years on Saturday morning men's prayer breakfast with your husband, God has used you, Yvonne, in Justin's life to prove truth of an unconditional love. And I know that has significantly changed the course of his life. That is truly a picture of redemption. There might be a listener today thinking, well, I would love a marriage story of redemption, but there's still a lot of sin in my home. I want to encourage you today. God can take what you're going through right now and still bring you to a story of hope and redemption despite the sin. I think Justin and Yvonne can speak to that. Someone listening today may be standing at the edge of a choice, not realizing that God's story of redemption could be just around the corner for them. The choice you might be considering today is to keep on keeping on with your spouse or to give up. Is the struggle worth it? There's another kind of choice that we want to talk about, and, and that's one that's actually not unique to step families, and that is the issue of pornography. 
The statistics for Christian men between the ages of 18 and 30 are very striking. Now, these vary based upon the study that you find, but any way you slice it, we cannot run and hide from this issue. 77% of men look at pornography at least monthly. 36% view pornography on a daily basis. These are staggering statistics. The statistics for Christian men who are more in that middle age season of being 31 to 49, they're no less disturbing. There's Christian men here who are listening to my voice that know they're falling prey. They're part of these statistics. 55% look at pornography monthly. 35% have actually had this lead to an extramarital affair while they're married. This is a picture of why we have to be very real in our marriages about tough issues. Because it's a slow fade from pornography into a physical affair. And we don't want to just talk about these stats to, to point some fingers. We want to give a better grasp to the scope of the problem. It's abundantly clear that pornography is one of the biggest unaddressed problems in the church and in Christian marriages. How has pornography affected your life and your marriage? Pornography is is a huge issue, and I think to start from the beginning, uh, I have to start before I was saved. Prior to being saved, I didn't view pornography as a sin. That is totally normal. I, I hear that all the time from guys that are struggling with this issue. And, you know, it's kind of interesting. 30, 40 years ago, it used to be that for, for you to have pornography be a factor in your life, you had to go to a public place and you had to buy a magazine. You had to hide it somewhere in your home, but no longer is that the case. Now the cell phone that the average 14-year-old has in his hand makes pornography accessible and in such volumes that becoming desensitized to a sin issue is really easy. Yeah, and, and I've actually had this conversation with Yvonne about that very topic, David. It's, it's everywhere we look and the temptation is real. Really, for me, to be convicted of this sin came through uh, meeting with you and other men through the breakfast you mentioned earlier, and really being convicted that this is absolutely a sin. Not only that, but I need to recognize it for, for what it is and where it is in my life. Through meeting with other men and through prayer, I turn from the sin, and I think by viewing pornography, I forget that I was given a perfect to give in Yvonne. And not only that, but this causes trust issues with, with her as well. The fact of the matter is I, I was looking at this with the intent that she wasn't going to find out and I, I didn't want her to find out. So many Christian men start down the pornography road long before they're married and then they find it rears their head again when they're not paying attention to Satan's destructiveness. Just like how we started this show, there's a stigma around this subject, which prevents men from getting the support that they really need to truly make some long-term changes. So what do you want others to know that may be struggling with the same sin? I think first and foremost, people are ashamed of it. Um, they, they don't want to admit that it's even an issue in their life. I guess what I want them to know is they're not alone. And I, I think it's important that they surround themselves with people that'll build them up, that'll pray for them and with them people that'll hold them accountable. I think it's important to hate the sin and love the sinner. What I appreciated about the accountability was that Justin had somebody in his life to hold him accountable to this, that he felt that he could trust and say, hey, I'm struggling and go to that person. And it wasn't me because I feel like I could not have handled that situation in a God-honoring way. 
And that's a really common uh, way that many marriages that are struggling with this issue go is, is that, you know, ideally God would desire that we have those kind of conversations in our marriage, but it, it's a hard place to start. And I think it's what you had said, Justin, is spot on. Having the opportunity to, to turn with other godly men in the Bible, learn what we need to do with this issue, and then to have the accountability in which we would, we would randomly call that person up and say, how is this going for you? And how can I pray for you? And then from there, being able to, to bring that to your wife, to rebuild that trust, to rebuild that accountability and help your marriage be in unity again. Pornography is a, is a heart issue. It's a hard issue also, though, because many marriages don't realize that the isolation that they have around this topic creates an environment by which it grows and grows and grows until the point in which there is a much harder time to turn it around and make it right. Well, as we wrap up our time together, I want to say thank you for coming here today. It was a real pleasure to have you guys in the studio with us. The topics we've talked about today are important ones because many people who are listening to this broadcast might be in the throes of what you've gone through. They're, they're not on the other side of it. They're not in a position where they can see that God can bring deliverance. Instead, they're looking at their situation and asking, will I ever have victory over pornography? Will my wife ever really have that kind of love for me that, that she's not questioning if she made the right choice? Can our family look like God wants it to look, even though there's some challenges in it? There's some things about this family that now we see God through a different lens than we might have otherwise. So Yvonne, speak to us about what you would want someone to take away from our time together here. What's the biggest, most important lesson that you would have for a listener today? I would say trust. Trust is huge and it starts with trusting God. Once you can trust God with your spouse and your child and your family and your life, then you know because you have that trust that all of it will fall into his plan. And then that leads to then trusting your spouse. Justin, how about you? Any final thoughts you want to add? I would say God has a plan. You probably won't see the whole picture or understand what God is doing. But when you take time to reflect on your past, you can see how God has put everything together. If you would have told me 10 years ago that I would be married to Yvonne, have two children, live in Ohio in a personal relationship with Christ, I would not have believed you. Justin and Yvonne's story is powerful for stepfamilies for several reasons. When a husband or wife bring children into their new marriage, they cannot fail to make their marriage the primary relationship, especially when children challenge the rules of your new home. You must support the role of the step-parent, respond firmly and with compassion. Your children will never suffer neglect because you make a strong commitment to your new spouse. Be prepared to respond biblically if a spouse feels resentful or seems to push back on the direction of life. So often they can't see the forest for the trees, but it's when you stay the course in God's plan for marriage that at some point that plan becomes much more visible to them. Prioritize time for one another and don't let Satan have a foothold in your mind, convincing you that you made a mistake and picked the wrong person. You might just be in the middle of a God-given mission in their life. Set regular date nights and keep them. Look for other families you can impact in the same way. Finally, deal with sin issues with the support of the body of Christ. You're not alone. And it's when we don't give in to that lie of isolation that sin becomes quickly redeemable. Today you've heard Justin and Yvonne's story. What's your story of redemption? In preparation for this interview, Justin and Yvonne shared how helpful it was to them 
to really remember all that God has done and is doing right now in their family. Would you take the time to reflect and then write down how God has blessed you? We'd be so encouraged if you'd even send that to us. We take seriously the opportunity to pray for couples like you, and you can rest assured everything is always kept in confidence. We look forward to hearing from you. You can contact us through our website at VowsToKeep.com. You've been listening to Vows to Keep Radio with David and Tracy Sellers. Vows to Keep offers Christ-centered marriage resources for couples wishing to prepare, enrich, and renew their marriages. These resources include weekend retreats, conferences, date nights, and radio broadcasts across Ohio. Your financial gift will allow Vows to Keep to continue to help couples develop biblically healthy marriages. Please prayerfully consider making a donation to help serve future couples. If you'd like to make a tax-deductible donation or to find out more about Vows to Keep, visit our website at VowsToKeep.com. This program is sponsored by Vows to Keep of Zanesfield, Ohio.